You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. To my right is Bounty Law Series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick Stutt Double Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Fan Critical. Yay. Hooray. So today you might have just heard that voice. Uh, we have John. Hello there. And I'm Emma, uh, one of the ladies hosting your podcast. And today we're going to be covering Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ooh, oh, a oh. good film. A good film. Mm. A good film. I mean, I've been doing a lot of the worst of Netflix. You so, have. Spoiler you know, warning. This is such a... A treat for me. And for once, uh, a new release. So the the ninth in the anthology of Quentin Tarantino. Mm. Um, hotly awaited for the last couple of years. Yep. Um, and some quite mixed feedback uh, <laughs> from yes. many people. And perhaps Very also rich. in this podcast. Mm. Uh, so before we start talking about that, uh, I would like us both to give an overall uh, review yep. our blueberries and our opinions then we'll mm. follow the usual format run through the plot that i very very cleverly ripped from wikipedia uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about some tarantino easter eggs and uh, and, and cameos throughout the movie mm. and then move on to uh, saying goodbye that'll be the end of the podcast there <laughs> yeah okay. yeah yeah that would there be the go. end of the podcast fact uh, so john i'm gonna let you go first if you could please give your uh, opinion of this film a blueberry score and an explanation of what that is for our listeners if they don't know yet a blueberry scale is thus it can be a zero bloob to five bloobs but there can be no half bloob zero no being halves. yeah zero being terrible um and five being oh my god that was really good like this film maybe um this is quite a hard film for me to score. Bearing in mind two days ago I had to sit through American Poltergeist. I come back to a film like this and I'm just like, Jesus, man, this is like the best film I've ever seen. So it's all it's all dependent on when I've seen it. This is maybe a top five Tarantino movie. I'll tell you what I enjoy about the fact um, that I'd this say is... I'd top 50%, really. Yeah, I guess so. I think for one man alone, I'm, I'm going to give it... Actually, no, there's two reasons why I'm going to uh, give it a five bloob. Um, one, uh, DiCaprio is just amazing. He is an amazing man. And uh, like any film where he's supposed to be this buffoonish um, cowboy with a terrible moustache, <laughs> although I really like that look, to be honest. I could be rocking that. Um, Give it a couple of years. I mean, the scene with him and and uh, and a little girl, and he's reading the book. I genuinely was like, I, I feel terrible for him here. Like he he turns a scene like that that should be quite, you know, buffoonish into just brilliant acting. Um, <laughs> and also, I mean, I like the fact that for a long time you're like, what is the plot of this film? It's not like every other film out there. And you can definitely tell that, given this is one of two movies to do over 100 million at the US box office, there isn't a fucking sequel or a superhero <laughs> movie or a, a spin off of fucking Fast and the Furious. Like, good old Hobbs, I, for sure. Yeah. I really want this to do well. I think it will do well. Um, I could see how some people wouldn't like it. Um, but for me alone, I think I have to give it a five bloob. Nice. So I am denied a lot about what I thought. You're going to give it a kick in, aren't you? No. Okay. No. Yeah. Immediately changes her score. Yeah. Um. No, I, I thought a lot about this, what I was going to rate it and how I felt about it. I came out of that of the movie theatre 
movie theatre. Ah, the movie theatre. Ah, the movie theatre. Last week, thinking I fucking loved that, even if I was so desperate to wee by the end of it, I thought I was going to piss myself. Mm. Um, Classy. Yeah, I know. Real classy birds. Well, I didn't think about that, did I? Mm. Um, But I, I did love it, and for me, it was. It still had that Tarantino feel but it felt different it was a bit of a departure from what i would have been expecting i think yeah. and that's why part of the reason why i really loved it yeah i um both brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio were fantastic mm. in this um both of them cracked me up at so many parts but also made me feel really sad and emotional yeah and you know bit bit of crying but do you know why i i didn't talk about brad pitt now he is awesome but he is just playing brad pitt's character that he always plays he's always that cool guy like dicaprio like you could never brad pitt could never play dicaprio's no, character no, 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 in this no, film. not at all um and i'm not having a go at brad pitt in in any way but his his range of acting is is not in dicaprio's league so i, I just felt like watching this you look at the movie poster you see two very cool guys and in actuality brad pitt is the cool guy that lives in a terrible fucking little caravan thing awful um yeah i uh, so yeah i i love brad pitt but i mean in this it's dicaprio is just the absolute standout no and i i I agree uh mostly i think for me this this brad pitt is the brad pitt from like burn after reading ridiculous Mm. and cool brad pitt i really really enjoyed it but what i enjoyed most about it was the on-screen relationship between pitt and dicaprio Mm. i really like that yeah um and i do have a bugbear go on and it's not about anything to do with the content of the film at all. Um, why can't films just be 90 minutes anymore? Why does a film have to be two hours and 45 minutes? It is long. It's very long. Mm. And, and I, but I will say, this is the first nearly three-hour film that I've sat through and not wondered how much was left. So mm. if, in that respect, um, I didn't notice it as much. Mm. But it is a long time. Uh, yeah. Don't worry, this podcast will definitely not be that long. No. My gut says this is a four out of five bloop for me. Right. Um, because... I did feel like you could have condensed it a little bit. Some of it didn't land with me as as well as it could, but also, and this is probably a terrible thing to do when you judge it, Mm. I was judging this against some of my favourite Tarantino films. Yeah. And I think there was something missing from it. Having said that, four blueberries, very high score. Yeah, definitely. Not as high as the longest and most negative review I've ever heard about a film ever. Right, okay. uh, By somebody on IMDb called Frizz Frem. Freeze frame. Uh, so one out of ten stars. Is that supposed to be freeze frame? I think they've just spelt it wrong, or maybe it right. was taken. Well, I mean, that immediately their review means fuck all. So this review is titled, Don't Believe the Fake Ten Star Reviews. <laughs> Warning, spoilers. Mm. I went to see this movie on opening day. Good. Even as a giant Quinten fan. Yep. I was surprised to see an 8.9 rating for this on IMDb. I'm further surprised and saddened to see that Hollywood still hires people to write fake reviews. Mm. I don't think they realise that people are waking up and seeing through the hype and the nonsense. Yeah. And I was looking forward to this movie for two years. Blah, 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 blah. But 90 minutes in, I was still waiting for the film to start. Mm. Every scene I thought, oh, this is where we should have started it. That's a bad sign. Yeah. This goes on quite a bit. Um, And I won't carry on with all of it but there were a couple of of key key things about this a can you spell quentin tarantino properly please well you know um and i think this is also where this film divides opinion because for some people watching a two-hour 45 movie that is all about you know it's a fairy tale it's once upon a time in hollywood Mm. um and it's a it's a retro hark back to what life was hark like. Back. Hark back. Yeah. Um, to, to what that life was like and, and kind of taking a very small part of it uh, with with the characters of DiCaprio and and uh, and Pitt, mostly mm. DiCaprio, yeah. and seeing what it would have been like if something had changed. And some people will hate that because it doesn't really, nothing does really happen for a long time. It's mm. quite sort of just ploddy through. And I did enjoy that. Having said that, the last 30 minutes were bloody brilliant. Yeah. Um, so... Freeze well, that, frame. I, mean, yeah. I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really respect it. Um, but look, you're allowed to have an opinion, so you know, good, oh, good on Fres Frame. Um, respect your right to have an opinion. I think was more what I meant to say. Yeah, no, look, fair enough. Um, I, well, look, here's the here's the flip side. If you paid, you know, twenty quid 
to go to the cinema and it was a 60 minute film and it ended I mean would you feel robbed or no unless it was shit <laughs> if it was shit I'd feel robbed <laughs> well I mean how good of a story can you craft in 60 minutes that was a very good point but I but I I accept that 2 hours 45 is probably a bit excessive but you know it is what it is I'm only saying that because my bladder can't last that long <laughs> that's all right that's my only problem yeah alright we'll stop talking about your bladder um, okay, so a four and a five bloob. Yep. Pretty, pretty bloody strong, and I, and I don't think we could have expected any less. Um, John's raging at me for not giving it five bloobs. No, I like, no, I, I, not. I'm not. No, Len is not here. Oh, um, yeah, sorry, I forgot. This yeah. is you Where know, is Len? This is just, who knows? Um, this is a safe space where you're allowed to have your own opinions, uh, apart from Fred's frame. Yeah, but, Fred's frame, no. Yeah. No more for you. Yeah. Uh, so before we go through the very beautifully crafted plot, it is time for a little advert break. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Hello. This is the time in the podcast where we get the opportunity to tell you about all of the other stuff that we're doing. If this is your first time listening to Fan Critical, welcome. Uh, we don't just talk about Tarantino films. We do lots of other things, and you can find all of that on our uh, Fan Critical page on all your podcasting apps or mm. our social media, which I'll tell you about in a bit. Mm. Uh, before we do that, what are we doing now, you might ask, outside of this podcast? So Emma and Lucy, that's me and Lucy, have uh, just started our coverage of the new season of Mindhunter. Mm. It has all of the things that we love. Murder, David Finch, murder, <laughs> and the FBI. Great. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely worth oh, a listen. Oh, there's murder in there as well. Oh, and some murder, yeah. yeah. And some serial killers. Ooh. Woohoo! Uh, so the first three episodes, uh, well, the first episode covering the first three episodes of season two is out now. It's and good, that. Bloody good, that. Yeah. yeah. Bloody good. Yeah. Uh, and the next couple of episodes covering the 4th to 6th and 7th to 9th episodes will be out in the coming weeks. Uh, John, you've also been doing new worst to Netflix, haven't you? Do you want to tell everybody about that? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I should do. It's an advert, isn't it? Um, so the worst of Netflix, me and uh, my little buddy in Australia, Gaz, uh, trawl the, uh, the depths, the sewers uh, of Netflix for... Uh, the shittest films that we can uh, we can find. We're hunting in a competition. Hunting for the zero bloob. Yeah, hunting for the zero bloob films. Uh, we are in a competition. I am winning at the moment. It is two one. Um, the latest episode we have recorded it. Um, that'll be out in probably a couple of weeks. I would say. I'm not editing this one, so there's no control over when it's coming out from Ta-da. my side. So don't ever go at me. Um, but yeah, that was uh, we covered American Poltergeist. Um, which, I mean, some of the acting in that is, I mean, I would say this is the polar opposite film to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So if you loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, go and listen to the worst of Netflix for the antithesis. Um, I know, right? And the enunciation as well. Very well done. Um, Yeah, go go and listen to it. We have also done uh, the new season of Stranger Things, so you can listen to that if you want. Bloody go good, that. Yeah, really good. Mm. Bloody good. Hilarious at times, emotional at times, but all, all in all, great coverage. Castle Rock Critical, one of our sub podcasts, mm. will be covering the absolute classic and its newer remake, along with the book Carrie. Ooh. Yeah, a bit of Stephen King, if that yeah. floats your boat. Mm. So if you want to keep up with what's coming out when, then you can follow us on social media. We are Fan Critical on Facebook at fancriticalpod on Twitter mm-hmm. and fan underscore critical on Instagram or you can email us fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com and we love to get your feedback and listen to all the things that you think about the stuff that we cover. Yeah. But for now, it's back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. Like you. Okay, so it's 1969, February, and Hollywood actor Rick Dalton, former star of 1950s Western television series Bounty Law, Bounty Law. fears that his career is over. Mm. So casting agent Marvin Schwartz, not, not to be confused with Schwartz, yep. played by Al Pacino, yep. advises him to start making spaghetti westerns. Mm. Dalton thinks it's a bit beneath him. So this opens up with DiCaprio and Pitt uh, sitting at a bar drinking, looking pretty fucking rough on, on the on the part of DiCaprio. Mm. And then Pacino walks in as this uh, this producer, yeah. or casting agent, mm. has a chat with him, talks about, you know, how he's now just playing the bad guy. Yeah. You know, he's the one that's there to take the fall in the fight scene. Mm. And it's all a bit depressing, really, isn't yeah. it? 
Um, how'd you like the opening? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't really see the point in casting Al Pacino in that role, I've got to say. Well, it's just a I mean, sort it's of... nice to see him. It's nice to see Pacino in a Tarantino movie. It's nice to see him in any movies, to be honest. But I just... It, it felt like weird casting. It, yeah, I know what you mean. It just felt a bit odd, didn't it? Yeah. I um, And it took me a while to realise that it was... It took me a couple of minutes to realise it was Pacino. I was like, who's this crazy guy? <laughs> okay. Um, have I forgotten? Have I forgotten my glasses again? Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess it's kind of bringing in all of the big names, which is a, a Tarantino-esque thing to do, isn't it? You know, getting, all, it, getting all of these amazing actors together mm. um, and, and using him as a, I want to say like a set piece, but a, a way to kind of set up mm. what's going to happen for the rest of the film, yep. essentially. Yeah. So uh, so then we then we meet Brad Pitt, so Dalton's friend and stunt double, Cliff yep. Booth. So he's a war veteran. And at this time, we don't know this, but uh, he lives in a trailer with his pit bulldog, Brandy. Mm-hmm. She's lovely, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, I mean, he's that is a state that oh, it's awful, thing that he isn't lives it? in. Awful. Um, uh, maybe a little bit sick. The dog food thing. As oh, well. that was that was disgusting. <laughs> it was like some kind of. Also, how much does she eat when all she does does is sit around? Does does all she does is sit around in the bloody trailer all day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we we find out that he drives Rick Dalton around all the time because uh, Rick Dalton is he's a, a boozing idiot. And he's no he's longer a got a license. Yeah, yeah, no longer got a driving license. Lost Too many it, DUIs. He? Yeah, yeah, shame. Classic. So Booth has always been Rick's stunt double, mm. but he hasn't had any film work since uh, he's rumoured to have killed his wife. No, at yeah. one point. Yeah, that just comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah, it like, does. What yeah. was going on there? Yeah, I mean, did that need to come up? No, I think you know it's. Uh, I mean, we spoke about earlier the the supposed link between a real-life event where Robert Wagner killed his wife, supposedly. Allegedly. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but he is a person of interest in, in her murder, even though it happened about 40 years ago. I just, I don't, I don't see the point in, in that. So I was reading a couple of things today, and I was like, I'm, I'm not really sure that I care that much whether he killed his wife or not. I guess the, maybe the point is that they don't want to just show it as um, uh, Cliff being loyal to um, Rick. But that he has no other choice. This is all he can do. But also that Rick is being loyal to, to Cliff. It's like, yeah, he's my stunt double, but he's, he's a mate of mine. Like, they're best buds, aren't they? Yeah, they're best buds, yeah. So maybe that that's it, but I, I don't know. Could they have done it in a less fucking grim way probably i'll be honest so jumping forward a bit into what actually happens in the film mm. um when they do the flashback to him on the boat i'd have fucking shot her to be honest yeah she was she was awful <laughs> as a person as a character well, person. You, i mean do you think he did shoot her yeah why because i would have done it, i like to think think of myself a bit like cliff booth well i think cliff booth is Slightly better than you, to be honest. Oof, that's harsh, isn't it? Also, you live in quite a small place. It is quite... I mean, it's much tidier than his little trailer. It is slightly bigger. And, you know, you do have a little hairy pet. I, I mean, do. It's, okay, it's not a bulldog, but it looks like one. And <laughs> May have loved that. <laughs> my my stupid fluffy cat would be so happy to be described as a pit bull. And she's sitting ah. there and she's, you know, you get home and she's sitting there wanting to be fed. Yep. So it's the same in a way. And then you sit there and you eat your mac and cheese. Yep. And just watch TV and films and stuff. I don't see any difference between you and, and Cliff Booth. Fuck, so. neither do I at this point. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's depressing. Although I do really want mac and cheese. Yeah. Anyway, back to the film. <sighs> so our other main-ish character is uh, Sharon Tate, played by Margot Robbie. Mm. Uh, and this is obviously... For a long time, we've known that this film is going to revolve around uh, the time of the Manson family and the Sharon Tate and LaBianca murders. Mm. So Sharon Tate and uh, Roman Polanski yep. moved into the house next door to Rick. Mm. It was all about, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, Rick would love to be mates with them. Yeah, Get into a Polanski film because he's just released Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, If you've seen that, that film still gives me nightmares. Mm. Don't let your children watch it. Yeah. No. The don't. hot young new director, Roman Polanski. Hot young new director. Uh, so then we get 
Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski, joining uh, Sharon's ex, Jay Sebring. So weird. At a uh, celebrity-filled party at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. Get a couple of cameos here as well, don't we? Yeah, bit of Steve McQueen. Yeah, Damien Lewis, bloody brilliant. Yeah, he's good, he, yeah. He was hilarious, in love with Sharon Tate. Yeah. And then we get the backstory from Steve McQueen uh, while they're watching Sharon Tate dance around and uh, we get to know that there's some weird three-way friendship between yeah. Sharon, Roman friendship. and Jay. Yeah. Friendship. Friends. Um, I thought the styling of this was absolutely fantastic. Cool, I, wasn't it? I just, yeah, really enjoyed it. And it was the only part in the movie, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, where they named the people on screen. Yeah. So when she first arrived yeah, at the yeah, Playboy Mansion, right, yeah. they flashed up that this is Steve McQueen and two other people. Yeah. Um, and then they don't ever do that again, which I thought yeah. was a bit odd. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe because it's the idea is that it's a party and it's important to know who these people are, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Just guessing. I, maybe, maybe so. Tarantino does have that, stylistically, he does like doing that at the beginning of films. Yeah, I always thought it, yeah, I suppose it more like key characters. Well, you know, Steve mm. McQueen, brilliant. Yeah. Um, but obviously that does come up again a bit later on. Mm. I, I thought this this bit was great it's like quintessential late 60s hollywood party Fucking cool yeah really cool mm. i wanted to be there yeah I sitting think, there with my well, yeah everyone my, wants to be there the playboy yeah. mansion in fucking in 60s it, it just looked fantastic and yeah. he did such a great job of it and this is where i suddenly went he's nailed <laughs> the feeling of the 60s mm. um we always knew he would yeah um, but he really great job of that yeah so then we uh we moved to the next day cliff's repairing the tv antenna for rick yeah gets um, his shirt off Gets his shirt off. Loved that. Ridiculous man. He's what, like 56 or something? Yeah, looks better than... I was about to say better than I do, seeing as we're comparing me and Cliff. looks better than, than you. Looks better than me. Looks better than most people, but... Looks better than all of us put together, to Jesus. be honest. Amazing. I mean, well, anyone would look better than all of us put together. That'd be some freak monster thing. That'd be horrendous, man. Imagine that. A big, massive, like, Ooh. freak with 11 arms. And I don't know why we've got 11 arms. It would One definitely be One of us is even, armless, but... so... <laughs> he is armless. Yeah. Um, so while he's uh, while he's out there taking a shirt off, smoking, having a look around, he's uh, he's having a bit of a a reminiscence or a daydream. Mm. And this all comes from the fact that he's he's dropped uh, he dropped Rick off at the set of the uh, new film he's doing, and he's gone. Oh, ask if there's any stunt work for me mm. from uh, from Randy, who is played by Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Randy doesn't like Cliff. Because he killed his wife and his... Supposedly. Suppose, allegedly killed his wife. Mm, it doesn't look good. I mean, at this point, it looks a bit rough, doesn't it? Um, mm. And his wife, whatever her name is, hates Cliff. Yeah. Anyway, so he goes back to fix the antenna, daydreaming, shirtless. And he reminisces about a, uh, a sparring match he once had on set on the Green Hornet set mm. with Bruce Lee. With Bruce Lee, yeah. Right. There's been a lot of... Um, controversy mm. including from Bruce Lee's daughter about the portrayal of Bruce Lee in yeah, this scene I'm not surprised what did you think I I would imagine that Bruce Lee would be a little bit like mm. that to be honest I mean well, Tarantino yeah. says he was I mean you know Tarantino says a lot of things but I'm sure he did his research um look I mean most people seem to think that Bruce Lee uh, I mean people that don't really know anything about mixed martial arts or anything like that just assume that bruce lee is like the best martial artist in history <laughs> he he's he's an icon and he's a breakthrough uh, superstar when it comes to introducing the world to kung fu i guess so he's he's a legend but uh, i mean i would imagine that if he was he was there everyone is telling him how great he is He's this superstar. Mm. I imagine we'd get a little bit arrogant, to be honest. I think it'd be easy to in that kind of environment. Yeah. Um, especially if you're the only one that's really doing that and you are the breakout star. Of course you get a bit up yourself. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what happens here. Uh, I mean... So he's postulating, wandering around postulating about how amazing he is and mm. how we should all be doing. I don't know, I'll stop listening after a while. But also, I mean, Bruce Lee was very, like, philosophical. Yeah. I mean, he wrote a book, for fuck's sake. Like... That that was him, like I, I forget what his his start like Wing Chun I think was was his um uh was what he introduced I guess and then he opened mm. his own schools and stuff. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not slagging off Bruce Lee. I, I just think you know you you're having a go at him. Yeah, look, I'm allowed. Yeah. It's my podcast. I'm hosting. I know you prefer jujitsu, but I you do. Know. It is a much finer art. And yes, and it would 
um, have caused Bruce Lee many problems. So they, they say this is based on an altercation that Bruce Lee and Jean LaBelle, um, who is a, a, an old um, martial artist or mixed martial artist um, in the US, they say that they had an altercation on set where um, he basically grappled Bruce, picked him up, um, and then just wouldn't let him go. And Bruce Lee was furious. And he was like, I'm not going to drop you. And Bruce Lee's like screaming at him to drop him. But he can't get out of it because his martial arts skill or style doesn't... It's got nothing Allow to do with that. grappling and stuff like that. Mm. Um, they say that Bruce Lee would not have tried to fight Jean LaBelle because he recognised... That he couldn't. Yeah, because... Or he didn't like, have the skills to combat his His skills, skills were insufficient at that stage to combat mm. that style. I know we've turned this into some sort of weird mixed martial artist podcast. I wasn't expecting this, but welcome um, to Mixed Martial Art Critical! <laughs> but, um, and Joe Rogan talks about this on the Joe Rogan podcast, that would would it have happened in this way? No. Um, could it have happened? I mean, apparently it did happen. There was an altercation, but look, I, I, I don't have a massive issue with it. Most people like to look at Bruce Lee as this, like, unstoppable, immovable object, and that's mm. fine. But in real life, it probably would have gone more down like this. See, the thing, I've, I thought this scene was fucking hilarious. Mm. I was pissing myself, yeah. and it was brilliant. And then afterwards, it's, I didn't really think about it much afterwards. Then I read a load of stuff in preparation for this podcast. Good, um, yeah, you've done your homework. Is it real, though? This is the thing. This, just, this, in hindsight, feels to me like this is Cliff's daydream of something that may have happened somewhere along those lines, but yeah. was it really real? Was it the two of them? Or is it? Is he just imagining and embellishing stuff? Quite possibly. Um, um, either way, I thought it was bloody funny. I mean, you would definitely remember it um, more in differently your to how it happened. But yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it did go down it that way. Or certainly ended in that way. Um, and obviously, if you go through the film, Cliff is, he's fucking handy. Yeah. He, he can handle himself. Definitely. So, and also he's ex-military and all that. So you assume that he's he's a bit of a dab hand when it comes to um, hand-to-hand combat. I just thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. And I, it I one of the highlights of this film. I but can I, understand why people would not like the fact that Bruce Lee's being wiped the floor with by fucking Brad Pitt. But, um, and it wouldn't, I mean, Brad Pitt wouldn't beat up Bruce Lee in real life, but I'm just saying. No. <laughs> um, Definitely not. Yeah. Again... A lot of Tarantino is tongue-in-cheek, for fuck's sake. And also, and this is the thing that I was saying to my friend after we came out of the cinema, it's a film. Mm. It's not like it's a biopic of, <laughs> of Bruce Lee, where no. Tarantino's made him out to be like a, a useless, arrogant prick, mm. um, which is not what I think he was doing. Yeah. It's just one scene. Mm. Move on. Yeah. I do get it, though. Mm. Um, so this happens, and then he comes back to uh, comes back to thought and to real life and mm. goes, yeah, maybe not. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't ask for work. Probably not a good idea. Mm. Uh, while this is happening, good old Charlie Manson pops around to uh, the Tate Polanski residence. Yeah. Uh, looking for Terry Melcher, who doesn't live there anymore. Mm. And he's turned away by, by Jay. Yeah. So do you know who Terry Melcher is? No. So he's a music producer. Oh, yeah. And Charles Manson um, somewhat blames him for the lack of music career that he had. Yeah, they didn't sense. want to sign him. So mm. that was why he went to that house and then decided that it would be Polanski and Tate. Mm. Another reason I love would this that have film. Happened? Uh I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but that is who Terry Melcher is. Yeah. Um so it's a nice segue. And actually a lot of the things that happen in this film are very, very true to life until the end. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. No spoilers. Yeah. Uh so then uh then Cliff goes out to uh do some errands and that. Mm. And picks up a, a hitchhiker. Yeah. Pussycat. Mm. And uh, who do we discover this is played by? Annie McDowell's daughter. Yeah. Who knew that? Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, so he ends up dropping her off at the, the Spahn Ranch, where they used to film Bounty Law. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but Cliff's a bit like, ew, why is all these hippies on here on the on the property? And we're all like, oh, it's the Manson family. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Where's they Charlie? Bad. Nope. Turns out Charlie's not there. Mm. He's gone away. Yep. So that that's all we're gonna see of mm. good old Charlie Manson <laughs> for you, the whole film. You were fuming about that, weren't you? No, do you know what? I quite liked it because mm. so I've just been watching Mindhunter, 
Um, yes. And there is a lot in Mindhunter about Charles Manson. So yep. I, I just watched... Same a, actor. Yep. Yep. Uh, Damon Herriman, I believe his name is. <laughs> Take your word for it. Um, but so I've been quite immersed in the story of the Manson family. So I really enjoyed <laughs> this. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so Cliff reckons that they might be taking advantage of the bloke that owns this place, George. Mm. And this is where it starts to get really fucking uncomfortable. Um, where he wants to go and see if George is all right. Mm. They're like, he's, he's having his afternoon nap so we can watch FBI together later. Yeah. He's exhausted. I, I fucked his brains out. All right, Dakota Fanning. <laughs> what? What's happening here? Yeah. Anyway, they all start gathering around and Cliff's like, nah, fuck this, I'm going in. What can mm. all these hippies do to me? Yeah. Fucking hippies. Mm. And, uh, and he gets in there and he finally finds George, who who is not dead. <clears throat> no. He is alive, exhausted from all of the sexual activities mm. with the young lady and he's yeah. blind doesn't remember Cliff at all mm. uh, and then he's like alright well fair enough comes outside and it turns he out does what? <laughs> comes outside <laughs> fuck's sake turns out someone's uh, slashed a tyre on his car so yeah. this then uh, leads into one of the second most hilarious fight scenes I've ever seen mm. where he beats the fucking shit out yeah, of this guy yeah that was guy. great I was loving that it was absolutely amazing and mm. then makes him fix his tyre yeah, correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah, the guy should have been begging to fix his tyre. Uh, he would have got a fucking serious beating otherwise. For I mean, a start. He got a, bad, he got a bad beating anyway. But He looked bad enough before this happened. He looked like a creepy son of a bitch. Now yeah, he's got yeah. no face. <laughs> yeah. It was like, this is where the kind of real Tarantino gross violence yeah, yeah. started to come in. It reminded me of a couple of scenes from like Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill and things like that where it just gets a bit fucking mental yeah so, so there's a couple of things here so um that george guy mm-hmm. um so that all actually happened so the manson family did actually stay on this old guy's yep. property and he was shagging all of the younger women as you would but you know if they're gonna why not with family stay on your property ugh. what a weird sentence that is we'll leave that in yeah all shagging each other why not with family <laughs> Well, that's what Fucking that's what Charlie hell. would have said. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you're saying, apparently. Well, Fucking no, I was channeling saying old it Charlie. In the voice of Charlie Manson. Welcome yeah, to channeling yeah. Charlie. Um, <laughs> so, the the guy George was supposed to be played by um, Burt Reynolds. Oh yeah. Yeah, but then he passed away. Sad. Yeah. So that they got been that, brilliant. So they got that old fella in again from fucking the Hateful Eight, and he's just Tarantino's old fella. Yeah, he loves him. He loves him. Um, so that was uh, so that was good. Um, I'm going to ask you a question here. Um, and it's got nothing to do with that horrendous statement earlier. I'm afraid to speak again, um, if I'm honest. So did you think that Brad Pitt was going to be killed at any point when he was on that property? No. Yeah, because I did. Did you? Yeah. I mean, I think that if Tex had got back quick enough... Mm. Then they no, probably he'd, would. He'd beat the shit out of Tex as well, but... But it was when they... So I, I wonder if, for you, it was when they all started to gather around looking like creepy zombies, mm. like cult zombies. Yeah. they. Could, I mean, all of them could have overpowered him. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean... And it was a bit weird and creepy and it could mm. have happened, but yeah. I, I felt like it was too early in the film to lose Cliff. Well, you know, he's done it before. That is true. Oh. When did you... What made you think he was going to kick the bucket? I just... It was just the build-up of the scene, and then, you know, you think he's in trouble, and then he goes into that room, and I said, oh, and he's, oh, no, he's he's actually there. And then you think, oh, he's going to get out of this now. And I thought, he's going to get offed. And then, no, he just gets out of it. I was like, okay, fine. And um, I quite like that, because... It's tension. It just, yeah, it was like... I thought there was it was just throwing in loads of, oh, you think he's safe, yeah? Well, no, now he's dead. But, no, he was fine. So I was very happy. Very happy. Mm. Good old Cliff. So he drives off. He does drive off, and then we uh, then we cut to Sharon Tate, and uh, she's she's going going for a walk. She's driven down into Hollywood, walks past a movie theatre, and sees her. It's like uh, Rodeo Drive or something. Yeah, one of them That's famous what it looks ones. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not been to Hollywood. I have. Well, there you go. So, through your failed director career, <laughs> didn't want him. Too uh, too controversial. Yeah. And uh, so she goes past the movie theatre and sees the poster for The Wrecking Crew, which is her new film, sees herself, a little name up there. And she's mm. like, oh, maybe I could go and see it. Yeah. And I just think Margot Robbie played this so adorably. And I don't know a huge yeah, amount she's beautiful, about... beautiful, yeah. Yeah, she is, but that's not the point. Oh, right, uh, just okay. really, like, sweet. I thought she was just really sweet about the whole thing. I mean, like, mm. that's that's my movie. Yeah. Um, this is where we start getting They're references. They're doing it on purpose, though, aren't they? They're doing it on purpose... So that you're like, oh man, this is 
horrendous. Anyone who's watching this movie who doesn't know what happens to Sharon Tate is an idiot. Mm, okay, Jesus Christ. Sorry. Yeah. It's one of the most famous and horrific murders of all time. Yeah, but look, you know, well, not, um, not you everyone know. is going to be au fait with fucking gruesome murders as you are. That is true. Expert. That is true. It is my yeah. obsession. I, d- I just thought it was a very, it was very innocent and kind of wholesome. And Margot Robbie is amazing. I think as Sharon Tate. I think mm. she encapsulated all of the things I imagine Sharon Tate to have been. Mm. And uh, you know, later on we watch her. Very sad. Uh, yeah, very sad. And later on we watch her watching herself and realizing that everyone's enjoying it and suddenly being like so happy and overjoyed that she's done something that people love. I just, mm. I really like that. I thought she was going to go in there and people were going to be like, this is shit. Mm. It does look like a terrible film to be honest. <laughs> Not one I'm going to be watching. Um, puts her foot up, uh, puts her feet yeah, up. Takes her boots uh, off and puts her feet up. So, Bit I mean, gross. that is bang out of order. Bit... I mean, look, Tarantino loves his feet and we see feet throughout this film. And you know what I'm like. Jesus, that is. John like, hates feet. I yeah. have to wear socks when I come round. Disgusting, man. But even in thirty-two degree heat. So just to let you all know, ankle socks, man. You can't see my feet. Yeah, but I'm saying that's fine. Ankle socks. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm just going to let everyone know how hot it is here. It is very hot. And I hope yeah. you're appreciating this podcast because mm. we've had to turn the air conditioning off and shut the windows, and it's very sweaty. Very moany person. But anyway, um, <laughs> who does that in a cinema? Who takes their fucking shoes off? Puts their feet up? I mean, that is bang out of order anyway. But then, their bare feet up on the seat. Jesus Christ. Nah, I'm not having that. Terrible. Even I'm not having that and I Even don't mind Even if it's Margot Robbie. You know, that is like, no. Put some fucking shoes on, please. There's a lot. There, you're right though, there is a lot of feet going on. Mm. Um, why are you doing that? It's my disgusting noise. Ah, okay. So uh, we go back to Rick now, and he's he's landed the role of a villain in a new series, Lancer. Mm. Uh, and landed, we do... he's had to take it, hasn't he? Yes, desperate times. Yeah. Um, and he, this is where he starts to chat to his his little co-star, Trudy Fraser. Mm. Um, Brilliant. This is one of the best scenes of the film. Mm. So he's he's wandering around the set. He's like, you know, you can't eat yet. I know it's lunchtime, but we just put your terrible moustache on and your weird hair so just he's like oh so i'll just go and read my book yeah really does love his westerns doesn't he mm. so he ends up outside the saloon where he's going to be later he sits down to read his book next to little trudy he's yeah. reading i don't know the fucking encyclopedia or something <laughs> this thing is bigger than her yeah and uh then she starts chatting to him and asking about like what his book's about and he tells the story which obviously is the story of failed rick dalton mm. um but a cowboy instead yeah what's the name of the cowboy he used to break Easy Breezy or something. Something Bronco Breezy. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and then he starts crying. Yeah. That's, that and this is me. just heartbreaking. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, some people were laughing whilst it was happening and that's fine. Um, I had a tear and it, is, it is quite funny um, because it's ridiculous, isn't it? But also it's like, oh man, it's, that is a killer. It's tragic. Yeah. Like his career is basically failing. He's realised that he is... You know, he's taking desperate roles because he's got no other options. He's mm. fucking sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just broke me. And he's she... halfway through the book as well. So you just don't know how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. Killer. She's amazing, though. Yeah. I-, I thought she was fantastic the whole way through this. And she only has a-, a few little kind of scenes, but I thought she was really good. And she played mm. off DiCaprio really, really well. Well, there's another bit, isn't there, where, you know, she sort of looks at him and thinks, Jesus Christ, he's a mess, man. And then obviously she starts to feel a little bit sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he nails that scene later on. And then she whispers in his ear, that's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, and you see him like, oh, well up. After like, he's just ad-libbed, throwing her off the chair onto the floor. Bloody brilliant, that. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and also, well, while we're talking about this, so the, the lead for this particular show is Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. It took me a little while. I was going, I've just been watching you. Who is this? And I said, oh, it's Tim. Well, he loves a Western, doesn't he? What else has he done in Westerns? Deadwood. Lately? Oh, fuck. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. See, I've been watching um, The Santa Clarita Diet. Okay. Which is hilarious. He's bloody brilliant in that. Yeah. Um, but I'd, for- I'd just forgotten how good he is. And I, th- I thought he was amazing in those scenes. Mm. Really good. Yeah. Um, well, what uh, I mean, that scene where, and it's one of the longest scenes in the film, where you've got DiCaprio acting and then acting like badly... And then resetting the scene, I was like, this is genius. This is so good. Like, he's acting messing up as an actor. Like, 
fucking hell. How, how does he not disconnect from what he's doing there? It's like Inception. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, another brilliant film, Five Bloobs. But I, I just think he is just excellent. And I don't necessarily think this is the sort of film that... In fact, no, fuck it. Do you know what? I hope DiCaprio wins an Oscar for this film. I'm going to call it. I don't care. I'm sure it will go to someone who's in a very serious movie. Well, you about... know who's going to win this year? It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson for Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah, I forgot I forgot about that. <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, other than that, hopefully, you know, <laughs> they get him up against, you know, best supporting or something like that. I'd just like to clarify, I have not watched Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> um, it's just a long-running joke that I want The Rock to win the Oscars. Maybe yeah. not between John and I, even. Could uh, happen. Could I happen. Think, uh, I have could... predicted that. He is great. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you're, you're totally right in this. This entire set of scenes, I think, is some of the best uh, best of DiCaprio the whole way through. Mm. Um, he he plays that incredibly well, and then he goes and has this breakdown in his trailer, oh. which is unbelievably amazing. Mm. But and again, like you could heart wrenching. You could watch that scene and think this is hilarious, and then it's like, oh, actually, it's not. It's not that funny. This is actually pretty gruesome. Like. Because he, he start, you can see him like turning the wheel where it's like, yeah, this could actually, this could be happening. Like you could imagine people going through that. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the bit where he's just like, he's just looking in the mirror and he's like, if you fuck this next scene up. That's it. I'm going to blow your brains out. Yeah. It, um, and it is a complete kind of escalation of emotion like he completely loses it and then obviously comes back and delivers this fucking amazing nails the scene. scene yeah. Absolutely nails it. So he's got his confidence back. We're okay, we're not gonna have to blow our brains out, this is great. <laughs> um and then that, this then leads to uh Sam Wanamaker, uh thinking he's bloody brilliant and speaking to uh Pacino, getting mm. him off to do spaghetti westerns in uh, in Europe. Yeah. And so they go off Working for six months. with the second best director in uh, in Italy. Yeah. Who's the first best? Sergio Leone. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the second best? Do you remember the name of Sergio Bioni? No. No, I don't remember it. Um, Well, now I can't remember. But the director that they name, like Kabuchi or something. Yeah. um, Is a director that directed Django. Is it? The Western Django, yeah. Huh. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Lovely little Easter egg. I know, yeah. Well, there you go. You know, we're giving you Easter eggs early. Easter eggs. I did say wegs, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, he said Easter wegs. It's fine, we'll leave it in. Cool. Um, I didn't know that. See, I, you're my Easter egg f- f- super fan. Why? Fuck expert. is what? Right? <laughs> I was trying to think of specialist or expert. No, super fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then we see a few like sets of scenes of the lot of them out in Europe filming all these westerns. You got, mm. what have we got? Like Nebraska Jim and a couple of other ridiculous <laughs> yeah. things. Including some random Euro spy comedy. I've just remembered the name of the director yeah. now. So it's... the first one, Sergio Leone. Yeah. Kabucci. Uh, Sergio Corbucci. 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 Yeah. Excellent. Well remembered. Mm. Well remembered, John. All good. Uh, and then they head back. Um, out of nowhere, Rick's married some Italian actress. Yeah. Francesca. Capucci. Mm. Not Corbucci. I think I've Capucci. just remembered another Easter egg, actually, as well. Sorry. Have you? Yeah, because I remember remembering this in the cinema. So I can't, you know, this is raw, this podcast. So sometimes there's no research. There was a bit where, no, I mean, you, I mean from my side, not yours. <laughs> um, there's a bit where they mention or they show a credit of some film guy called... Uh, Antonio Margareti, mm-hmm. who is the name of the uh, is the name that the guy takes on when he pretends to be uh, part of the film crew to sneak into the cinema in Inglorious Bastards. Oh fuck yeah! Oh, it's just genius. That's brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just there's so many, and also just to give you all a spoiler warning, the Easter eggs at the end are very minimal. I've kept them short because I knew they'd come up as we went along, and yeah. we probably remember them as we did. Yeah, so there you um, go. So they get back to LA, and then all of a sudden, over a, over a little drink, Rick tells Cliff he can't afford to keep him anymore. Mm. So it's over. Yeah, you know, got I thought a new, that was got really a new fucking wife. sad. Yeah, got a new wife. She's pretty expensive. Yeah, we're probably just going to sell up here, to be honest. Yeah, move into an apartment. Yeah, she spent all my money. I yeah, I mean, does he say that? 
Because I was a bit like, he's surely he's doing really well now. I can't remember what he says, actually. I yeah. thought I got the impression it was like, she's like, you know, I've got a wife to keep or something like that. <laughs> but then as they're walking out of the... Got to keep this wife. As they're then, you've you got the bit on the plane where they're both sitting there drinking. Mm. We all know they're going to have one last night out. Yeah. And then they're walking through the airport and you've got Brad Pitt as Cliff in head to toe white. Pushing the most ridiculous amount of luggage I've ever seen in my life. That's been a while. Francesca. Time, and she is moving to LA. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's just hilarious. Yeah, he's great. It's that it's that walk. I loved it. Mm. Well, so they get cool back. Guy. Very cool guy. So they get back and uh they go out on a bender. Yeah. Which is very nicely juxtaposed with uh Sharon Tate and her friends. For our American listeners, when you say they go out on a bender. Go and get mental drunk. <laughs> can you just speak like a normal person it means to go out and get very drunk yeah well, that's what I said wasn't it yeah no you said mental drunk same thing sorry Americans <laughs> for you it is yeah I can't I can't translate for the American audience that's what John's here for uh, so bender. while while Rick and Cliff are on their bender uh, getting crazy drunk you've also got Sharon Tate Jay and, and their friends um, who are out for dinner at, at another Mexican restaurant yeah that's quite civilized it's mm. very hot possibly the hottest day of the year mm. so Sharon tells us she's obviously at this point eight months pregnant yeah horrific yeah um they all go home very civilized all smoke a joint and you know hang around in the house and Rick do. and Cliff carry on Rick and Cliff sounds awful like that yeah <clears throat> Rick and Cliff carry on um until they get thrown out of the restaurant then they uh take a cab home because yep. they're hammered yeah back to Rick's place Carry on, carry on boozing. Mm. And uh, Rick goes off for a minute. Cliff's like, right, I'll take the dog for a walk. And he's like, oh, she's trying to have a cigarette. And he finds mm. that acid-laced cigarette. Yeah, so earlier on in the film, he buys an acid-laced cigarette from one of the flower kids. Yep. Yeah. So he's like, I'll save that. I'm going to crack on Save with it for a special point. occasion. Yeah. Don't smoke it, Rick. Make sure you don't smoke that one. Yeah. So Cliff goes out and starts smoking it. He's like, oh, I haven't really feared anything. Mm. So the Manson kids are sitting in a car down the bottom of the road. Yep. Talking about if they've all got their knives, what they're going to do. They're going to go up to the old mm. uh, music producer's house and kill Sharon Tate yep. and the people there. Mm. Why? Why? Well, because we all grew up watching TV and it taught us to be murderous. Yeah. So we'll kill the people that taught us to kill. So weak, man. It's a, it's a nonsense. But mm. if you know anything about Manson, yeah. it is a fucking nonsense, to mm. be honest. Yeah. Um, they're all clearly a little bit high. Mm. And uh, they've all got their knives. And then uh, little Maya Hawk, one of the little flower children, yeah. uh, said, oh, I've, I've forgotten my knife. I've got to go back to the car. Yeah. Is that uh, all right if I go back to the car? Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you want to take the keys? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All of a sudden, drives off. See ya. And enough of that. So Tex and the other two girls are like, right, okay, never mind. We'll go. Mm. It's all good. We'll go. Yeah. Walking up, looking creepy as fuck, to be mm. honest. Yeah. Uh, all dressed in black, heading up the road. And then they decide, so they've decided at this point, actually, you know what, we're going to... You remember who that guy is that lives in his house that shouted at us before when we were casing it out? That's... Yeah, which we didn't talk about, but yeah, so... Rick that was hilarious. And tells them to fuck off, which Fucking is hippies! Yeah. Yes, correct. I'm trying to have a quiet night, you're in a loud car, fucking Piss hippies. Off, man, yeah. Fuck off. Um, so they're like, actually, do you know what, Rick Dalton, he's that one from uh, from that show, isn't he? Bounty, Bounty Law. Bounty Law, yeah. Let's, uh, let's kill him. Hmm mistake guys to be honest uh, it was a bit of a mistake because mm. what actually happens is uh and we later find out rick's just floating around in his floaty armchair with his drinks and his fags listening, listening to, to music listening to music in the pool mm. no idea where any of this is going on yeah uh what they do find when they open the door is uh cliff booth yeah off his nut he on acid doesn't know what's going on yeah. he, this is hilarious mm. then of course he recognizes text doesn't he yeah and what ensues here is one of the best Tarantino-led fight scenes of carnage that I think I have ever seen. So this is the bit where Tarantino does what he does, where he rewrites history, as he did in Glorious Bastards, mm-hmm. where suddenly you've got fucking Hitler and all these crew getting absolutely massacred. For anyone that's not seen Inglorious Bastards, um, it doesn't matter. But anyway... Great film, watch it. Yeah. So you start to look at this and go, well, actually, this isn't going to go the way that real life goes, where Tate and all that lot are massacred. We're going to flip this around. Yeah, we're going to flip it around. And for some reason, now fucking Cliff is just this machine. I mean, his dog also is mental. Brandy is like the best. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. And it just goes full Tarantino brutal. 
absolutely fucking mental. Yeah. And uh, the littlest one does not die. She does not die. So she's come in the back. She's been, <laughs> I think she's been shot. She's been stabbed. She's been had her arm off, chewed off by Brandy. Yeah. And uh, so she stumbles her way out through a glass window. Mm. To the backyard where all of a sudden Rick's like, what the fucking shit fuck is As going on here? Be, yeah, she's firing a gun off in the fucking Yeah, can't pool. see, had her face mauled off, firing a gun away. So he gets himself out of the pool. Yeah. And lo and behold, he comes back out with a flamethrower. Yeah, he goes the into The fabled flamethrower. Goes into his Tarantino shed and pulls out a fucking flamethrower. And this the was The one that just... he used earlier in the film for that Nazi film that him and Pacino were talking about. Yeah, and he just fucking burns her alive. It was amazing. Yeah. And then, of course, he walks in and he's like, what the fuck happened here? And Cliff's all like, Cliff's been stabbed. Yeah. He's also still high on acid. Jesus. I mean, the way he fucking slams, is it Dakota's face into the wall over and over and over again? No, it's not her. It's one of the other ones. One one of the other other kids. But absolutely mullers her face whilst almost bleeding to death. Yeah. Horrific. Yeah. This, I mean, this is obviously pretty much the end of the film mm. um, but the pinnacle of this film yeah, yeah is yeah. unbelievably good and that is it was that moment where you went oh we've had a nice little plod through memory lane and mm. what things were like and yeah. how hard it was and then this is the thing we've been waiting for where it just goes boom that's it yeah absolutely fantastic and yeah. that is what i didn't want the whole film to be like that but i love the fact that we had that right at the end mm. um but that's not quite where the uh the entire film ends is it no. so cliff gets taken off to hospital it's a really nice emotional moment between him and rick yeah See you later. Come and visit you tomorrow. Yeah. Rick goes and gets himself cleaned up. His wife has taken about 20 million sleeping tablets and gone to bed because she's so traumatised. Yeah, Yeah, fact. And um, so Rick comes out and he's just sort of hanging around outside and he gets chatted to Jay, doesn't he? Because Jay wants to know if everything's all right. Mm. So what happened there? So he tells the story and then Sharon's on the intercom. She invites him up for a drink. Come up for a drink. Come up for a drink, guys. He's like, sweet, I'm going to be in a hot new film. I'll be in a Polanski film with Sharon Tate. That's it, yeah. And uh, and that is where we leave the movie. That's where it ends. That's where it ends. What a roller coaster! Yeah, I mean, fucking hell, it gets very Tarantino in the the last thirty minutes. Um, even like the discussion with the Manson kids in the car, it's so like fucking ridiculous. Um, the dialogue, but uh, in a good way. Um, it just uh, it, the film ends, and I just felt a bit awkward that we're talking about something that actually. The real story, the real thing that mm. actually happened is, you know, brutal. It's like someone, like, rewriting the beginning of World War Two, so, like, Hitler doesn't take over Germany and blah, blah, blah. And it, mm. I mean, okay, yeah, it's feel good, but it's like, come on now. But this is more so because it's such a personal thing. We're talking about uh, four individuals. So I felt a bit awkward about it. It's difficult, isn't it? Because actually it's all nice and well and good to rewrite history the way it could have been. Mm. Um, But it doesn't change the fact that those were some of the most horrific murders. Mm. Not only was it Sharon Tate and Jay and and the couple that were staying with them, but also the LaBianca murders the the night after and, you know, how it all went down from there. And it was, it is horrific. Yeah. But I actually quite like the fact that Tarantino was brave enough to change it. Oh, he doesn't give a fuck. I really, I mean, no, he gives no fucks, but I really, mm. I really think he did a good job of it. And that's part of talking about this has been quite challenging because I'm a serial killer nerd and I've read a lot about <laughs> Manson, the family. The nerd. <laughs> because I'm a serial killer. Yeah. I'm not FBI if you're listening. Uh, so it was a little bit hard to talk about some of those things not happening the way that they did but i I actually think it it was a perfect ending to that movie like Mm. giving giving them the opportunity to do something different and you know this is one of the things we was talking about earlier is that um the title is once upon a time in hollywood it's a fairy tale Mm. so you have to when you anytime you go into a film that isn't a a biography or biopic Mm. you have to set aside reality and you temper your expectations to that and i yeah. think you massively had to do that with this especially when you don't know what's going to happen hmm. because it could have well ended up with a depiction of the sharon tate murders yeah it's tarantino it could have happened yeah and it could you know there have been many examples of that lately hmm. but there have also been examples of that being flipped on its head a bit so uh hillary duff has shot, starred in a netflix 
uh, adaptation or like telling of the story from the Sharon Tate perspective. Yeah. Uh, which apparently is quite good. I've not seen it yet. All right, okay. um, which gives her a bit more control over her own story, allegedly. I mean, she's still dead. Mm. Uh, so it's becoming quite common to do. And I, I think it was really well done. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's the end of that then. That is. Should we have a chat about some of the Easter eggs that we haven't talked about yeah, here? Yeah, all right. Easter eggs. All right. Um, so we didn't talk about the scene about the time that uh, Rick Dalton almost got cast in The Great Escape. That's brilliant, that. Uh, so Timothy Oliphant's talking to him and he's like, oh, is it true you almost got cast in, in The Great Escape? He tries to play it down like, no, no, no you know. No, no. And then we get these flashbacks in amongst the conversation of him acting out some of the... Him screen testing for The Great Escape. Just fucking brilliant. Yeah. So good. So good. And it really made me laugh, which is probably not an appropriate way brilliant. To, to react to it. But he just... Also, so well put together with the original footage. Yeah. Really, really well done. Mm. Um, and that was that was that was great. Yeah. You know, talking about some of the great films and the great actors of, of the time and Yeah, I loved know, it. That was really good. Excellent. Um obviously we've we've sort of mentioned this, but Rosemary's baby gets brought up and yep. I believe that came out in sixty eight. Okay. And yeah. was one of the longest um running, like most successful films of mm. that time. Um there's another scene that uh where we get a bit of DiCaprio dancing. <laughs> Which yeah. is possibly the second funniest scene in this film. Great, that, yeah. Uh, which is based on uh, Hullabaloo. Yeah. So he's having a dance around, talking about what's behind the green door. Yeah. Excellent. Well, look, that's all good. He's, you know... Lovely, lovely turtleneck. Cool guy. Leave him alone. Hey, look, I'm, I'm not taking the piss. You are a, a little bit. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, we've also got to so the Western set for... Mm. Uh, for the new series that he's, or the series that uh, Rick is co-starring in for one episode, I believe... Lancer. Lancer. I believe was uh, the set that was used on part of Django Unchained. Yeah, so... I, or possibly I the hate, and the Hateful Eight, or was it just Django? Um, definitely Django. Um, but I don't know if it's, it's... I don't know if it's the Lancer set, but the set that they're on at the beginning of the film where... Um, they're doing the interview for Bounty Law and they're talking to that Oh, guy. maybe it's that one. So it's the, one of the sets. So the background of the shot where Pitt and DiCaprio are sitting, that is where uh, Dr. King Schultz shoots the sheriff. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, in Django. So there you go. I've done my research, man. Yeah, clearly. I had a lot of research to do. I forget stuff. Yeah. Uh, and finally, the post-credit scene, if anybody's stuck around for that one, uh, is a commercial Definitely, for yeah. Red Apple cigarettes, mm. which appear in a number of Tarantino films. Yeah. And if you didn't spot the cameo, uh, the director of that commercial was Quentin Tarantino. There he is. There you go. He loves it, doesn't he? Right to the end. Mm. Uh, so any of you that skipped out before that because you needed the toilet or anything like that, <laughs> and you thought it was over, well, more fool you. Yeah. Uh, there are lots and lots of Easter eggs in this too film. Many. Far too many. I've just picked out the ones I like the best that mm. also give us the opportunity to talk about some of those funnier scenes. Yeah. Uh, but that is it for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. If there's anything that you think we've missed or you want to tell us about that's a really good Easter egg or a funny part of that, then mm. do feel free to let us know. Yeah. You can do that by getting in touch with us on uh, Twitter, at FanCriticalPod. Yeah. Instagram, Fan underscore Critical. Mm-hmm. Facebook, just FanCritical. Yeah. Uh, or by email, FanCriticalPodcast at gmail.com. You yeah. can also use all of those things except email to keep up with all of the stuff that we are doing over the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned some of those earlier on in the advert break. Um, just, just to add there, Emma, um, if you've enjoyed us talking about Tarantino and you think, well, you know, I wonder what they thought about Pulp Fiction. Well, we could do that podcast. We could. But we'll only do it if we're given money to do it. And the way you give us money is by joining us on Patreon. So on Patreon, we have uh, plenty of tiers. It starts at $5 all the way up to $60. Don't give us $60. That's far too much. But, you know, for the $30 Patreons, pay us $30 for one month only. uh, And then switch to a lower tier one, obviously. Um, But then you could pick what we pod on. You commission a whole podcast just about what you want. Yeah, so that's... any of the other eight Tarantino films or something different. Yeah, so if you want to go check that out, again, look, we're not asking for money. We're just giving you the opportunity to give us it if you wish to. And that's at patreon.com forward slash fan critical. Yep, we'd really appreciate it. Anything that you can give gets you lots of extra content too, even if you are just a junior blueberry. Yeah. Uh, but for now, I think that's that's everything. Is there anything else we've missed, John? 
uh, there's loads of stuff that we've missed, but it's too hot in here. Um, I can even see the sweat coming through your little ankle socks as well. Yeah, so disgusting. Let's get that AC on. Yep. Um, and say goodbye to to listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.